0: All right, it's uh, it's the Sunday right before Christmas, and it was just sweet. So the um, wow, that quartet, that was really beautiful. Can we give those guys the quartet a hand? That was just fantastic. Thanks, okay. Thanks, Ray. And uh, again, welcome to GRX. If you're new, um, you know we're usually a little bit more rock here. Uh, we 're not so classical, but today you got the best of both worlds and uh, We would like to welcome you to worship here with us and um, I know some people are traveling at Christmas time I know Christmas Eve stuff like that it 's a lot of crazy travel schedule. But if you guys are around, I do encourage you to come and join us on Saturday the Saturday after. Christmas, because um, that's when we will be serving food to people who are homeless in partnership with the City Team Ministry. We've got a great core of people that have been leading uh, in City Team Ministry these uh, many years, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity to just come and uh, serve alongside us. Um, I also want to say thank you to GRX, the GRX community, because it's through uh, our giving and the offering that, that we give together that we're able to provide uh, these gifts for City Team and for the men and women who are homeless. So in our church-wide budget, we have some money set aside for this very thing, and that comes from the gifts and the offerings that that uh, we collectively give together. So, thank you for that and for uh, really giving us an opportunity as a church to bless and partner with City Team and to bless some, some folks who happen to be in tough situations with some gifts, some warm clothing uh, at this time of year. Uh, so, now between now and Saturday, of course, Christmas is coming, and that's coming up on Thursday, and, and these gifts. Both the gifts for City Team, the gifts that we can give one another. I think that's one of the things that makes gifts so special. And uh, I don't know if you can ever think back to when you were a kid and, uh, you know, that were gifts under the tree. I mean, they were wrapped. And uh, this is a little bit of a confession, but there might be some people out here among us that are this way. I remember as a kid... um, The gifts would get wrapped, and sometimes, you know, my folks would put names on it and stuff like that. And um, my brother and sister and I, we would kind of sneak around the tree. And uh, I know this is kind of bad, I guess. Maybe we were just kids, but it sounds kind of selfish, I guess. We used to kind of divide up the gifts a little bit under the tree. And they go, oh, this one's got my name on it. And then, oh, this one's got my brother's name on it. This one's got my sister's name on it. And we were so excited about the gifts that we were going to get and that we were going to receive. But um, for you guys, I wonder if sometimes uh, Christmas can be a bit of a challenge. Because it's, um, you're trying to find that perfect gift for someone. Um, and I think maybe sometimes as, as we get older, we kind of struggle with trying to find, man, what is that perfect gift that we can find for people that we love, and um, you might be here on Sunday going, "Wow, okay, it's it's you know Christmas is coming up on Thursday," and you might be thinking, um, "Man, I still have a couple of gifts that I need to get to, for people. I need to be able to find gifts for people." And so um, I'm going to offer a little bit of gift giving advice this morning for people that may be looking for that perfect gift. I did a little search on what makes a great gift? What makes a super gift? And after I was reading all these articles and all these different things online, there are these three things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, These three things make great gift. And it's really around these three words. Personal, love, and need. Personal, love, and need. Uh, First of all, a great gift is personal. It, it it, It has some kind of personal expression about who you are and who the other person is. So looking for that perfect gift, one of the great things about a perfect gift is that it's personal. But then a second thing about a great gift is that that it expresses love. And it takes into account your relationship and somehow expresses love to the other person. And then the third thing that I think makes a really great gift is if it can somehow touch that person's need, what that person's felt need is. So I was kind of reflecting on that in my own life, and I actually brought something to share, and I'm going to pass this around to us a little bit. So you can just pass this around, check this out. This is really cool. This is um, a gift that, uh, for me, is called Andy's Box. And it's a gift that was um, given to me by a, a buddy of mine named Andy. And for me, it kind of hits these three things that make a gift so special. It's personal. And it, w- it was made by Andy, and he was doing construction and he was doing woodworking, so you're going to see that it's a, it's, a, it's a wood box. But what he did was he, he burned on the cover of it uh, Evelyn and my initials, so S and E, L. This is really personal. It's a really sweet gift. It's made by him but it also expresses love made by Andy. He is a labor of love. He took the time to put it together. But then the third thing, and this is a little bit more subtle, was need. How does this resonate for me and and felt need? For me, I love nature. I love the natural world, so that's wood. Um, But I love beauty and I love excellence. And so for me, when I when I see this box, and, and there's kind of like a little inlay on the side where you kind of laid in a second piece of wood, the hinges are all lined up, it just represents Andy's excellence in woodworking. And I think it's kind of beautiful. So Ray, I'm going to give this to you. And just as I'm preaching, you can just kind of pass this around. You can check this check this box out and stuff like that. But the thing that struck me is like, yeah, isn't that the perfect gift uh, Um, You know, this is not white elephant, right? So you don't get to take it home with you. Um, Just pass it around. Um, But that's the thing about a gift, right? If you're ever looking for that perfect gift for someone, you want to bless someone with that gift, right? If it can be personal, if it can be expression of your love, and if it can somehow touch their felt need, you just think, wow, that is a great gift, at Christmas time, when I think about the greatest gift at Christmas time, these three things are absolutely true. Because the greatest gift at Christmas time is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's great gift to us in the world. And Jesus Christ coming in the form of a baby, deeply personal. It's the son of God, made human so that we could know the eternal God. Deeply personal gift for each one of us. And then it's a gift of great love. Scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish But have everlasting life. That's why Jesus Christ, the child, the baby, was born in Bethlehem. Because of God's great love for the world. And then Jesus Christ comes into the world because of our great need. Because of our great need in humanity for a Savior who will save us from our sins who will restore us to God, give us the grace of God, and forgive us of the brokenness that we have. And this greatness of God's gift for us, particularly for this Sunday, what I want to emphasize for us is that Jesus Christ comes to us as the Prince of Peace to a world that deeply needs peace. If you've been here with us for these last few weeks, you know that we've been following the great names and titles of Christ given to the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas time and seen in Isaiah. And so today we're going to cover the fourth great title of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, as it's seen in Isaiah. And I'm going to show how this is just God's great gift to us in a world that needs peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and 6 say this about this Christmas scene of Jesus Christ being born. It reads, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And then here's the gift. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called... And these are the great four names of Christ. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. The one who is to bring peace into the world. This is who Jesus is to be. The one in whom we can experience peace. The idea of peace that we deeply need. Now, the sense of peace And even a personal sense of peace can feel very elusive to us. I mean, I just look out in the world right now at this scene, right now. Was anybody in the malls this past weekend? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So I was doing just a little bit of Christmas shopping. And um, when I go to the mall, what I like to do is I like to talk to the people who are working at the mall. And so I went into this um, kitchen shop, and um, I was talking to this woman, and just, you know, we were talking about stuff, and she's a seasonal employee, meaning she's not a regular employee, but she just was brought in at a time to sort of deal with the Christmas rush. And I just said, hey, wow, it it must have been really busy here. It must be really busy here over the weekends. And all of a sudden, this woman, she was so stressed. She just totally opened up to me. It's like all of a sudden I'm in I'm in William and Sonoma and I'm having like a pastoral conversation with this woman. She's got the apron on. She was like, "Oh man, it was crazy in here. It was so crazy. I'm a seasonal employee. I get all." And she's just telling me all this stuff. It was a madhouse. She goes, "You know, it's so good you came in in the morning." And she, you know, it was crazy. It's totally crazy. The crowds, the rush, the, the, the stress. I said, man, this woman needs some peace. She's working here. She's working here. But she just needs some peace in her life. Um, maybe for you, as you enter into the holiday season, you feel like, man, this is so busy. I got, I, we got this activity to do, and we got that activity to do, and I gotta go from here, then I gotta drive from here, and then I gotta get on a plane. And this season is anything but peaceful for you. Or maybe there's more of like a relational turbulence that you're experiencing because you know that you're going to be going to this family gathering and you go, man, most of my family is cool, but I got this one relative and this one, this one person, man, they stress me out every time I'm with them. And it's just hard. And I don't feel that peace I know some folks, I mean, we're coming into the end of December and fourth quarter, Q4 is like crazy for you at work because you got to hit your numbers, right? And you got to make sure that you hit your budget. And so there, this season is not about peacefulness and joy and happiness at work. Man, you're, you're on your team because you got to hit your numbers and your boss is on you. And man, Q4 is anything but peaceful, and, and we can even expand it a little bit larger, if you want to. I mean, you look about what's going on in the world. Our, our world, man, it's, our world's not, it's not, our world's not peaceful. And if you've been following the news and you've been following what's been going on around all the stuff with Michael Brown and Ferguson or like Eric Garner in New York City, like we don't live in a peaceful time. And even globally, right? peace in the world? I mean, Ebola is just going crazy in West Africa. I mean, as of two days ago, there are now over 19,000 cases going on in the world that have been diagnosed for Ebola, Liberia, and like all these places. So you're like, wow, our world is not filled with peace. It's, it's really turbulent. You know, what's true about our world right now is the exact same thing that was true about the world that Jesus Christ was born into. I mean, you, you look at our Christmas decorations now and you, know, you, you, you see kind of the manger scene and you see the baby Jesus asleep on the hay. You see the cows around. But in the real scene of Jesus Christ, he didn't come into a peaceful time. He came into a world that was incredibly conflicted. Jesus Christ came into a world in Bethlehem, but it was being completely occupied by the Roman Empire. They covered the entire Mediterranean region. And when, if you know the story, Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem by decree of Caesar Augustus. But the reason why they went was because Caesar Augustus wanted to take a census of all the people. That is a foreign ruler keeping track of all of the subjects. He wanted to know, the the Caesar in Rome wanted to know where all the people were that he was over, that he had political power over. So that's why it was a forced, it was a forced census. And that's why Joseph and Mary, who was pregnant with child, had to travel all the way to Bethlehem to be counted. So even Jesus and Joseph and Mary, they they were in a conflicted political situation. That's why they ended up in Bethlehem, because of the political powers that called everyone to go to their hometown. But not only was that sort of politically turbulent, but over that particular area, there was a guy named Herod, King Herod, and that was the passage that was read in the Advent reading. And the wise men come and they talk to Herod. But Herod isn't interested in worshiping Jesus. He's interested in finding out where the king of the Jews is to be born so that he can go and eliminate him. King Herod, over that region, he was a vassal king put in place by the Roman Empire to cover that Judean region. So King Herod wanted to control that area. He didn't want any threats to his, his empire, and he certainly didn't want a new king being born in that region. So that's why he asked the wise men, hey, where is this guy to be born king? So that he can go and eliminate him. This was even borne out in historical accounts because a first century uh, historian named Josephus wrote a, a history in that area, antiquity, And in that history he even documents how brutal and tyrannical King Herod is over this region where Jesus was born. And even how King Herod eliminated family members to preserve his power. That is the turbulence, that is the conflict of the world. And into the world is Jesus Christ, born Prince of Peace. So, because I think God knows that into turbulence we need a prince of peace in our lives. And I think actually even the more turbulent and conflicted our world and our lives are, the more we need peace. The more we need peace. And so I've been thinking about this. like When we need peace in our lives and our lives are turbulent, where do we usually go? Where do we usually go for trying to find peace? A place that I usually go is I usually try to control things. I was like, man, if, I, if my life is feeling out of control, in some way, shape, or form, I try to exert control. I try to exert some kind of control. And sometimes it doesn't even come out good. It comes out kind of sideways. I mean, sometimes I'll tell you this. When, like Sometimes when other things are out of control in my life, when my, then my kids start acting up, I try to control my kids. You ever get that? Like, sometimes one part of your life is totally out of control, and so then you try to control something else, and then you, like, you, like, yell at your kids too much. Sometimes I do that. I feel out of control, so then I try to control my kids. Or sometimes you're feeling like, I don't know, something else, in the family is totally going out of control. You're totally turbulent there, and you can't control that at all. So then what do you do? You go to work, and then you yell at your your subordinates. How come you're not doing this right? How come you're not doing this right? It comes out sideways. When, When something over here we can't control, we try to control something else over here. So my question is, what do you do, man, when you can't control stuff? And how do you then live in peace? And how is Jesus Christ that gift to us? You know, I think as a follower of Jesus Christ, scripture gives us the answer to this. And it actually comes in the Christmas story itself. The first part of that answer begins in the person of Jesus Christ. That in Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, our peace and the peace that we need and the peace even when our life is out of control, the peace that we need is found in Jesus Christ. There's another part of the Christmas story, and it's when the shepherds are out watching their flock. The sheep are down, they're kind of bedded down for the night, and, and the angels come out of the heavens, and they announce that Jesus Christ is born into the world. And the way that the angels talk about Jesus Christ coming into the world, they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels said, this will be a sign for you for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And with that, they say glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Jesus Christ, his person, is ushered in with peace. But then Jesus Christ himself says these words in John 14. Jesus Christ himself teaches this. And he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither. Don't be afraid. Don't let them be afraid. So then, so then if Jesus Christ is the center of all this peace, like, what do I actually do when my life is feeling out of control and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need this kind of peace? I think we get great insight from the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. He actually gives us a roadmap for the way to stay at peace in Jesus Christ. And Philippians chapter 4 says this. The Apostle Paul says this in Scripture Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, and these are the steps, by prayer and supplication which means asking. By prayer and asking with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the roadmap for us. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything that you have, everything that you're anxious about, everything that you're carrying, Pray and ask God. Like, bring this before God. Talk to God about this. And then, this is a mystery. This is a mystery how it works like this. But it's true. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna invite uh, Dave here to come on up here. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that I've been asking a couple of people from GRX to share their own story. And I've asked Dave to come and share just a a scene, a story in his life where he experienced the peace of God in his life. Where did he come to know Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace? And, uh, you know, everybody in our church is a gift to us. God is at work in our lives and so this is an, an, an opportunity I've asked Dave to share as a gift to us, as a community, to share how is God at work in his life. And, um, and like I asked you guys last week, it's a little, sometimes a little hard to talk up here. So as you listen to Dave, I just ask that you would be praying for him, that God would give him the words to, sp- to speak to us, to show how God's at work, uh, being the Prince of Peace in his life. So Dave, go
1: ahead. Thanks, Pastor Scott need a lot of prayer this morning. So I I feel quite humbled to share about how I've come to know Jesus as the Prince of Peace because I feel like for so long I didn't really understand what that meant. Uh, But over the years I really feel like God has shaped and molded my thinking along these lines. And so I hope that what I share with you today will be helpful to you in some way. I think if I can summarize how I've come to know Jesus as the Prince of Peace— in one sort of idea, it would be unanswered prayer. Or I guess another way that you could say it is that I've received answers to prayer that I wasn't hoping for. And at face value, uh, you might think, well, that seems weird. Uh, Unanswered prayer would seem to provoke disappointment, anxiety, uh, bitterness, anger, But in in my life, as I look back over time and all of the unanswered prayers and and prayers that are still not answered at this point, I actually find uh, that this verse in Philippians is really true, that I've actually been moving more and more towards peace in my life. My unanswered prayers are probably not unique. I pray for people in my family and my friends to come to know Jesus, and they haven't. I pray for specific requests amongst my family members and friends and While some of them get answered, uh, many more of them don't get answered in the way that I was hoping for. I I recall distinctly when I was very young in my faith back in graduate school, I was praying so hard for my best friend's father who was diagnosed with lung cancer in his mid-50s, never smoked a cigarette in his life, and just a lovely man. And I prayed so hard for, for two years, and he did well for two years, but ultimately succumbed to the illness. And I was just devastated. And obviously, my my friend and his family were even more devastated. But wow, it just really shook me quite a bit. I've prayed for other simple things, like I really wanted this one job right out of graduate school, and I didn't get it. In all candidness, I've been praying for my future wife for like 15 years. (laughs) I think I'm starting to sound like a broken record to God. God save me from my aunties, who wonder why I'm not married yet? (laughs) Save me from Uncle John, who thinks I have no game. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, you know, other, other, on a serious note, like, I, I'm sure many of you pray for the well-being and the thriving of your family members. This year has been really hard for, for my family. Uh, my mom is a breast cancer survivor, and she had a breast cancer uh, recurrence scare uh, earlier this year. Thankfully, she's okay, but that was tough. Uh, my, my brother whom I love dearly, uh, is suffering from chronic back pain. Uh, he had to go on disability and ultimately required surgery for his back and still suffered quite a bit from pain after the procedure was over. Uh, I lost my grandmother, uh, during the summer she passed away and, uh, yet another really close family member of mine, uh, suffered from a miscarriage. And so like you, I'm sure, uh, you know, it, when I'm faced with these kind of circumstances, it's a bit disorienting and it's a bit, uh, uh, disappointing, and, uh, you know, I think in some instances, I even see some people walk away from the faith when the prayers don't go in the way that you would hope for them to go. Um, I try to hang on tight, and I ask God, God, can you just please help me to understand what what you mean by this? Why my friend's father passed away? Why certain other things are, are happening? And I look to Scripture. Thankfully, Scripture is packed with a lot of hope and a lot of promise. And the couple of questions that continued to come up in those prayers when I was met with these situations where my prayers didn't go answered, I felt like God was asking me two things. Now, one was, Dave, can you still trust me in light of these circumstances? Dave, will you still be able to love me and praise me, uh, even if you lose your mom, even if you lose your job? Even if you never get married in your life, can you still praise me? And over time, uh, I'm happy to report that I'm moving towards a resounding yes. And it's not one that comes naturally. It comes with prayer and a lot of petition and a lot of unanswered prayers and questioning about what's going on with those prayers. Um, But in the end, I do find myself moving more towards a sense of peace. I find myself moving more towards a focus on the kingdom rather than the outcome. Of my prayers. I find myself focusing more on the blesser rather than the blessings that he provides. I think Tim Keller uh, summed it up best when he uh, said this, and I, I can't remember if he was quoting somebody, but he said that when God gives you the answer to prayer that you're not hoping for, you must know that he's giving you the answer that you would want if you knew everything that he knows. So I often try to dial into that thinking, and when I have trouble doing that. And if you guys have trouble doing that, then I want you to try one thing, which is to insert yourself into history right before Jesus was about to die. And be with, there, with him in the cave uh, when he's praying to God, God, if there's any other way that we can do this, please let it happen. And that's probably the biggest and greatest unanswered prayer in the history of the world, right? I mean, if Jesus' prayer was answered there in that moment— the greatest act in history would never have taken place, right? Other way you could do it is imagine yourself as a, as a disciple at that time, seeing your Savior, seeing this guy who performed all these miracles for the last two to three years that you've been hanging out with him. You see him captured, you see him tortured, and you ultimately see him die. Now, I'm sure you and I, if we were there, we would certainly be praying for some miraculous power to overcome the situation and him, for him to be freed. And raised up as the Son of God, right? But he died. And you might have seen him die. And I think that you and I, we would have lost all faith in that moment and we would have been crushed, right? But again, that wasn't the full picture. And you and I, we can only see in part. Uh, but God, He can see everything. So, in summary, I think unanswered prayer is one of the greatest ways that you can move towards peace in your life. And the way that you do that is you really focus on scriptures like the ones that Pastor Scott is bringing us to us this morning. And you focus more on the kingdom rather than the outcomes. And you focus more on the blesser rather than the blessings. Amen.
0: Thanks, Dave. I'm gonna invite us to just spend a little time praying together. Uh, let's, let's pray. God, you know what's in our hearts right now and you know what's on our schedules and God, you know what's in our responsibilities and, and, and God, you know those places um, where in our lives and in our worlds, we need uh, your peace So God, I'd just like for us to take a little bit of time right now to pray to you. And God, just as we are here, just we each individually lift up to you, God, that thing in our life or those people in our lives that we uh, need your peace to enter in and we need your healing to enter in. We need your salvation. God, we need your deliverance. God, we need your provision. God, we need your peace in our lives, in our hearts. God, your word says, don't have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and asking, make our requests known to you. And so, God, we do that right now. And God, I pray that as we continue in this Advent and Christmas season, that your word would be true that the peace of God will keep our hearts and our minds in you, focused on you this Christmas season. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.